Thanks for finding us. This is a message recorded at Fairfax Assembly in Bakersfield, California. You can find out more at fairfaxassembly.com. Strange story. There is a story in Matthew 22, beginning with the first verse. It is one of the parables Jesus told. The word parable means two words that mean to lay alongside. So he's going to lay something alongside this story. It's not the story, it's the thing he lays alongside that he wants to draw attention to. But this is an alarming story. This is a strange story where the actions are very large, where there are outrageous overreactions, and, and, and there are over-the-top behaviors, even on the part of God. Now, when the critics look at stories like this in the Bible, it's called the parable of the marriage feast, and it's going to involve people dying and cities exploding and houses being burned to the ground. It's going to involve some white-hot rage on God's part. And when the critics look at this story and others like it, they say, oh my goodness, that's what God's like? He blows people up? He burns down their houses if they don't agree with Him? And they get nervous Nelly on us, the critics do. I've noticed that the critics, they always accuse you and me, Bible believers, of believing the Bible literally. But they're the ones who are guilty of believing it literally, especially when they get nervous. But here's the story. It involves a very wealthy king who throws a great banquet. And not just any banquet. It is the party of parties. It is the year event. It is in honor of the marriage of his son whom he loves very much. And so this party, he has pulled out all the stops. He has spared no expense. In fact, you will get a list of some of the items on the menu. He's invited many, many people. He has sent out formal invitations. And those have been returned. Yes, we will be there for your son's banquet. Because to be asked to come to the banquet of a king was a rare and high privilege. It was something that you, no matter what you had planned, you set that aside. Because these were not just a one or two or three hour events in some kind of a rented hall. These were a, an event that went on for multiple days. And, and not only did the king feed you and take care of you, but so that the banquet was just perfect, he would clothe you. He bought you a suit of clothes to wear to the event. He would house you because, again, the event would go days long. This was not something that you turned down the invitation to. Many had accepted the invitation, and when the day comes, he sends out his people. Now go tell all of those people that received and returned the invitation, today is the day. The table is set. Come and enjoy the banquet in honor of my beloved son. And every single one of those people and here's where the story begins to go over the top. Every single one of those people found something else to do. You would never do that. That's how we know this story is full of exaggeration. But when the, the spoken invitation goes out, come, the feast is ready, they are unwilling. Not They want to come, but they can't come. They are unwilling to come. This is a story that had never happened, could never happen, 
But as Jesus tells it, he's going way over the top on purpose. And they all say, no, we found something else to do. And so he sends out a second call. He sends those servants back out again. And he says, I want you to completely explain it. Maybe they didn't get it. But those people that said they were coming, my invited guests, tell those who've been invited, listen, I prepared the dinner. It is on the table now. It is hot. It is ready. And then he talks about some of the expensive he's gone to. The oxen and the fattened livestock, they're all butchered. Everything is ready. It's on the grill. It needs to be put on the table. Come to the wedding feast. Second time after the formal invitation. And it says they paid no attention. It was like the servants were talking to a wall and they went on their own way like it was a day like any other day about their business, about their leisure, about their pleasure. They paid no attention. That's what some of them did. They were passive. And it was a case of omission. I just won't do it. But others were more active than that and took the servants, and here's where the story begins to leave way over the top. They took the servants and said, we don't want to come to your king's crummy party, and they beat the daylights out of them. And some of them, and here's where it gets really crazy, they killed. Now you know at this point that this story is full of exaggeration, but exaggeration for a point. The king now is enraged. And so he gets his own private army to go and hunt down every one of those people that had an invitation that turned him down, that paid no attention, that either by omission were passive and said no thank you and not even a thank you, and even the rest who mistreated his servants and killed some, and he had them all slaughtered. And then just to make sure, he drove home the point. He had their houses burned down. That's one mad king, isn't it? It's one mad king. And then he sends out the servants again, and he says, but the wedding is still ready. Those who were invited, they'll not be coming now. So what I want you to do is go anywhere you can. Go in the main thoroughfares. Go the back alleys. Go anywhere you can. And anyone you find, invite that person to my wedding feast. And so they did. They went out into the streets, and they asked everybody and anybody. It didn't matter who they were, rich, poor, connected, unconnected, evil, good. It didn't matter. Invited them all so that the banquet would be well attended. What a strange story. Now, it's easy. You can figure this story out. The king, that's God. The son, that's Jesus, and he's inviting people to a relationship. But his behavior seems outrageous, doesn't it? He, he kills people that said no. He burns down their houses. And then later on, he casts people into an outer darkness, all because they disappointed him. It's kind of grotesque. It's kind of shocking. There was a great novelist and short story writer of the last century, Flannery O'Connor. And she was guilty, a Christian, very much a Christian, 
But she was guilty in her stories, often accused by the critics of using grotesque images and shocking pictures. And they would ask her sometimes, you're a Christian, why do you use such grotesque pictures? Why, why do you go so over the top? Why does the, the behavior seem to be so out of line and explosive and the rage and all the rest? And she said, I use grotesque images the way I do because people are deaf and dumb. She said, they need help to see. And they need help to hear. She said on another occasion, for the almost blind, you draw large and startling figures. And to the heart of hearing, you have to shout. And that's what Jesus is doing in this outrageous story that presents God the Father offended. He's shouting. And the over-the-top behavior is meant to get our attention. The, the, the killing and the slaughter and the burning and, and the, the crazy, crazy rage. It's meant to get our attention because this over-the-stop story with all of the killing of anybody that ignores him and, and the burning down of the houses and the throwing people into outer darkness, that is God shouting in this story, there's something I don't want you to miss. Don't miss this. We don't want to be guilty of launching off in another adventure of missing the point. So what is he saying? That he presents his behavior as so out of line. What is it? He wants us to see. He wants us to see his invitation. This invitation to the banquet goes out to all. Good and bad. Everybody, all are invited. There's no aptitude required for people to come in. There's no tests. There's no certain kind of people. There are no outsiders or insiders. All can be insiders. That's the message he wants us to hear. That's the most important thing. That he is inviting us, our God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He invites us into a relationship that already exists between Father, Son, and Spirit. And he pulls back the curtain and he says, I want you in what we've got. You see, it's not just a trip to an altar. It's not just a profession of faith. It's not just praying a sinner's prayer. It's not just believing certain things. It's living with God and God living with us and God living in us and we live in Him. That's the invitation he wants us not to miss with this story. Because if you miss this, if you don't make it to that banquet, then you miss everything. This invitation that God puts out to everybody is the most important thing. It's the most important thing. Now, there's a little add-on to this story. It picks up at verse 11. All of these people had paid no attention. Those that had been originally invited, no attention. It meant nothing to them. So God has invited us, so what? And there's a world full of people like that. To pick it up at verse 11, there's one person. It's not a crowd now. But when the king came in to look 
over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And that was odd because part of the deal was once you came in, you got a suit of clothes suitable to wear at that special occasion. That was part of it. And here this guy shows up in his street clothes, not his wedding clothes, that were provided for him. He saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes, and he said to him, friend, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. How did you come in here? By what right do you come in here without the clothes that were issued you? You're spoiling it. And the man was speechless, pride maybe. And then the king said to his servants, bind him. Here it's over the top again. Bind him hand and foot. Throw him into outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Well, the earlier part of the story is outrageous. Over-the-top behavior, over-the-top reactions meant to get our attention. This is really crazy stuff. He goes even beyond. You know what Jesus is saying? He's saying loud and clear. He's talking about the inadequacy of self-righteousness. You see, this man, he was told, put this on. And then you'll be a part of this group, and, and, and he doesn't do it. He goes in on his own. No, I'll do it my way. I won't do it the king's way. I'll do it my way. He puts on his own righteousness. He covers himself. Adam tried to do that, didn't he? Adam tried to cover his shame. And when we insist on covering ourselves with works, with what I do, Oh, I, 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 I want to present to God what I do. I'm a good person. Or my efforts or my appearances. Or I clean myself up. Or I'm doing better, you know. Or I'm doing better than other people I know. That's all works righteousness. That's all self-righteousness. Jesus is saying here loud and clear, that approach is inadequate. You can't come before God and justify yourself. You've got to do it my way. You've got to let me put it on you, the righteousness. But our own covering, the Bible says, is just filthy rags. Just filthy rags. Many people believe in God. You know this. There are a lot of people that believe in God and believe God is good. There are a lot of people that believe God is good and enjoy God's goodness. But they don't want to change. They know God's good, but they don't want to accept Him as Lord. He can't tell them what to do with their life. He can't tell them that things need to change. No, they won't have that. They want to believe God is good and they want to enjoy His goodness, but they won't accept Him as Lord. And in spite of their belief, this story of the man with the garment, that story is telling us that in spite of what they believe, even about a good God, that they're going to miss the banquet doing things their own way. You cannot do Christianity your own way. You can't do things your own way. You've got to do things Christ's way. 
And without it, without Christ's righteousness, we miss out. Strip away every religion, strip every religion down, whatever it is. It could be Islam, it could be Buddhism, it could be anything you could think of. But it's always working our way to God. But in Christ, God works His way to us. He gives us His righteousness. He makes us right. We don't make ourselves right. That's the problem with this man. The cross is the only way, you see. It's not my way. The cross is the only way. So this story, as we wrap it up here, is loud and it's offensive. It's grotesque by turns. But it's all of those things by design so that we would hear what is being shouted at us. That this invitation that God extends to be included in what He's doing, come to me and I'll make you right. That is an invitation that is the most important thing. Do not miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And before we leave and enjoy a good afternoon and then come back tonight about 6, I want us just to spend a moment in prayer, a moment in thinking, in reflecting. It's so easy, it's almost our default position that we stand before God and point to our own goodness. God, I've done this, I've given up this, I've sacrificed this. It's all filthy rags. We have to stand before God dressed in the righteousness of Christ. We, we have to stand before God, not on our own, but we have to stand with the covering of the cross over our lives. So we run to the cross. We don't stand before God saying, look what I've done. I'm not as bad as. It doesn't matter. We have to hear the invitation. Don't make the mistake of spending one more day of your life like these people paying no attention to what God is saying. And then we respond by allowing Him to put His righteousness on us, you see. That's the way it works. Years ago, we would go door to door and we would do different surveys and there are people in this room that helped us with that project and we would ask a question Ask people, in your personal opinion, what do you think it takes for a person to go to heaven? And the person would answer, and very many people, very many people that identified as, as churchgoers of great churches in our city would indicate that they believed that they were acceptable before God because they kept the Ten Commandments. Because they'd never done anything really bad because they had given money to the church, because they had sacrificed time, because they taught Sunday school. That's standing before God in the wrong clothes. He's invited us. Don't miss the invitation. But then once you accept the invitation, let Him clothe you with Christ's righteousness. You see, that's what makes us acceptable. When you do that, a tremendous weight is lifted off your shoulders it's not your performance. It's His. It's His. You've been listening to a slightly inspired message from Fairfax Assembly, a different kind of church in Bakersfield, California. 
Find out more at www.fairfaxassembly.com.